Unleashing Sister Saints, a podcast focused on strengthening women's faith in Jesus Christ and helping them wrestle through the sometimes complex gender and cultural dynamics in the church. I'm Dr. Susan Manson, a global expert in women and leadership, a mom of four, and a devoted member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And first, a big thank you to listeners who have rated or reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot as reviews and ratings helped potential listeners find us. So let me share a kind new review from J.K.H. Howard, who said, one of the best LDS podcasts combining testimony and research to empower women in the church. Wow. Thank you so much for that review. To our current listeners, please take a moment and rate and review the show. And our goal is to get 10 new reviews this week. So I hope you'll help. So moving on to today's show. In this week's episode, I am delighted to welcome my friend, Raina Alberto and her daughter, Elena Alberto to the show to discuss emotional health. As many of you know, Raina served as the second counselor in the General Relief Society presidency with President Jean B. Bingham and Sharon Eubank from 2017 to 2022. Raina was born in Nicaragua and was baptized a member of the church in California when she was 26. And in the October 2019 General Conference, she spoke powerfully about mental illness, sharing some of her daughter Elena's experience with depression and anxiety. Now, Elena served as a missionary in Modesto, California. She holds a Master's of Arts in Teaching and works as a junior high choir accompanist and substitute seminary teacher. I love that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, they host a podcast, Consecrating Your Life. We're so excited to have you both on the show. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Uh It's a privilege to be with you. So, and I I have to say, uh, Elena, that I do love junior high. I taught junior high for a couple years when I was in my 20s, right after I graduated from college. So I always loved that age. So, Raina, it has been almost four years since you, almost, maybe almost exactly, actually, four years since you delivered your landmark conference address through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. As you have traveled and talked to women around the world, how have you seen God's hand in the writing and delivery of your message? And why is it so important to be vulnerable in discussing emotional health? Well, first of all, Susan, a lot of people come to me and they thank me about because of that message that I gave. But I always tell them I give all the credit to the Lord. Yeah, it's interesting how when you receive a such a, a sacred and a divine assignment that comes actually from the first presidency, because general conference is done under the direction of the first presidency. It's once you receive that assignment that the revelation comes. You know, Mm -hmm. before you have ideas, because you know that you may have that opportunity, once you receive the assignment is when the the true revelation comes. And then you're trying to decide because because most of those messages, you don't get a a topic. So you you, first you need to decide what you're going to talk about. And then and then once you decide, then you also need to decide what you're going to talk, what you're going to say. The thing is that um, during that time when I was trying to look for that revelation about the topic that I needed to talk about. I just received so many promptings and even conversations with people that they will come to me and talk about that subject. And I just said, it seems that this is something that we need to talk about. 
And even when I would go to different places, even around the world, I remember receiving having questions from sisters asking, uh, is it okay to talk about emotional illness in Relief Society? And that kind of struck me. And I would think, why do we think that we need permission to talk about yeah. something? If it is a, a concern and we talk about it with the spirit, why not, right? Uh, but then I felt that we needed to be, we needed to be more open about it. And I know that there were others that spoke about that, like Elder Holland did and many others, but for some reason, I felt that it needed to be said. And, and I think that, that the Lord actually guided me because I could feel his, his guidance. And then if you think about it, I gave that message October, 2019. And just a few months later, we were hit by the pandemic. Yes. And this meant a lot of people dealing with emotional issues. And uh, we will look at it in a different way now, I think. I think that we are becoming more open. Yes. And I do think your message, even though a few others had talked about it, and people just kind of worked it into their messages, yours was unique in the way that the Lord guided you, I think. And coming from a woman, a sister leader in the church, I think helps sisters link to that right and yeah. so and I love your comment too about the pandemic because oh my gosh we've studied the pandemic in Utah and beyond and I'll tell you there's not very many people that haven't struggled these days with some emotional health mental illness of some kind yes and I think that it was also it helped me with my healing process because we are all healing from different things you know I was still healing from my father's death and I'm still healing from that. We are in a process of being perfected in Christ because we, we become perfected in him through his grace. And we are all in that process. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you too, I use different words when I talk about this topic. And sometimes we use mental illness. Sometimes we use emotional or emotional health. Tell me a little bit about how you use those words. Well, I think that they are connected. I don't consider myself an expert, yeah. but I think that, you know, emotions are part of our of our divine nature. Uh, they are part of us because our spirit and our body are connected. Our spirituality, our, our physical health, and everything is connected. But I feel that uh, emotional health has to do with how we deal with our emotions. Mm. And many yeah. times some people, you just we just need to learn to deal with them. And to accept them, to realize that all emotions are okay, but it's just the way that you react, maybe, that you need to work on. Maybe mental health has to do more with things that sometimes are, um, you know, chemical imbalances that we have in our brain or things that probably require more professional help. So uh, even though they are connected, I think that there is a difference. And I don't yeah. think I totally understand what the difference is, but but sometimes it's just that we just need to know how to work through our emotions, yeah. but sometimes we need more help. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say the way the environment or the situations that we were brought up in can definitely influence. So Elena, yeah. I'm so excited to have you here and I'm mm -hmm. so excited to hear from you. So in your mother's conference talk, she read an excerpt from your blog where you described your experience with depression. Can you talk about your ongoing battle with emotional or mental illness, whatever you we want to call, and the things that you have found helpful when you're struggling or at a low point? 
So I think that my mental health problem started when I was a child. I like I've had social anxiety my whole life. Mm. Um, and social anxiety is when you're so terrified of what people think of you that it can just like make you really shy and just not very open. In junior high, I think that's when I started to develop depression as well. And what was hard is I didn't know that I had depression until I was like 18 or 19. I didn't know that I had social anxiety until I was 23. So I had to grow up without knowing any of this, making it really hard to cope with any of it. But once I was an adult, I started going to therapy. I mean, yeah, I got the help that I needed. I was able to like retrain my brain to think in a more positive way and yeah, sometimes like I need to take medicine in order to help the chemical imbalances in my brain. And yeah, nowadays I take like herbs to help me sometimes went to the resources that I needed to in order to fix this. Um, and so it wasn't enough to just like pray and go to church and stuff like this was a medical issue and I needed to get the help, like the professional help in order to help myself. So and you didn't have language. And I'll tell you, I mean, I raised kids and a couple of them have had mental health challenges and I didn't really have the language. I didn't, you know, in my day, it was like, just work through it or I don't know. So I didn't have the language with my own children until we all got older. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't that helpful for you to have language to talk when you started your therapy to learn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because this is not something that you can just get over. Like if I was really sad, like it's it just it's not helpful when somebody just tells me to like, just get over it. Because it's yeah. like, no, I literally physically, mentally cannot. I need help. I need to like, retrain my brain. I mean, it's just not that simple. Like I need a therapist to help me. So yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I learned a lot when I was a young mother, still having children, I should say, I was a Relief Society president and we had in Southern California, we had a number of women suffering with mental health. And I think I had the same before that. I'm like, just be happy. Just like get over it. And then when I started a listening is the key. When you just listen, when you mm -hmm. listen with an open heart and believe people, that's what I learned. I mean, the Lord said to me a number of times, just be quiet. <laughs> just be quiet. And listen, one more question before I move back to Raina. But how have you learned to hear or remember God's voice through times of darkness? It's so difficult because, I mean, like my mom talked about in her talk, anxiety and depression can just be like this cloud that covers the spirit and it makes it really hard to recognize it. But I was always really resilient and like still trying to, you know, read my scriptures, pray, go to the temple. And all of that gave me peace, even though maybe I wasn't always happy and I didn't always have joy. I still had peace in my life. I always knew that I was like at least doing the right thing. And I always knew that Heavenly Father really did care about me. And a lot of times, like he would tell me that through what other people would say to me. Like if I was praying about something, they would unknowingly answer my prayers by, I don't know, just texting me or with anything that they told me. And so because of that, I knew that he was there for me, even though a lot of times it was really hard for me to feel joy. So that's how I knew. I love that. I love that. And as you were talking, what was in my mind is the iron rod, 
right? Even in the midst of darkness, if you're holding on to that iron rod and doing those things, when you stop doing what you're talking about, I mean, it's so easy to move away. So Mm -hmm. I love that you still went to the temple, that you hung on to that. And Raina, any thoughts before I give you my next question? I would just have to give a lot of credit to Elena. You know, I, I admire her so much. She's, she's one, of my, one of my heroines <laughs> because she, as, as soon as she knew that she had these problems, as soon as she was able to name them, she wanted to share with everyone. She mm. said, I want others to know about this because I know they're struggling like I was. I want them to know that they can receive help. So that's why, you know, when I was writing this message that you mentioned before, I asked her, will it be okay if I share some of your struggles? Because I knew that I had to be more personal. And I don't think I have suffered from clinical depression. I have had moments of sadness and even periods of sadness as I had gone through the difficult times in my life. But I don't think I have suffered from that. So I don't really know how it feels. Yes. But I, I needed help from her. And I even uh, quoted a friend that I asked also asked her, you know, tell me how you feel. And that's why I asked it. And I, there were even people that knew that I was going to quote Elena. And they said, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, yes. I have asked her many times and she has said yes. <laughs> and so we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing, of course, following the spirit, you know, because sometimes we could overshare too. We could also go to the extreme. But if we are vulnerable, other people realize that they're yes. not alone. And they are with empathy. What you described before when you said you just listen and cry with people, that's empathy. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Oh, thank you so much. So, Raina, can you talk about the link between perfectionism and depression? And as our listeners know, neither one of us are like professionals. None of us are professionals. <laughs> it's from some life experience. And on my end, it's more just those relationships, but also research. So mm-hmm. talk about the link between perfectionism and depression. And then also what harmful thinking and cultural expectations can Latter-day Saint women sometimes be especially susceptible to when it comes to that perfectionism? Yes. Well, just to let you know, the thing is that when Elena was serving a mission, after she had gone to therapy and she was able to go on a mission, she had a, a period of time in which I could sense through her emails, but then we didn't have phone calls every week, through her emails that she was going through a hard time. And then I, I thought, okay, she needs help right now. And I even told her, ask your, your mission president if you could receive therapy. And she did, and she was better you know, after a few sessions. But the thing is that One day I was feeling so sad. One night, I remember it was a Sunday night. I was feeling so sad because I could not be by her side helping her. And I just got up from my bed, went to a different room, and I just cried and cried and cried for a long time until I could not cry. And I remember asking the Lord or asking Heavenly Father, I said, please, I need help. I need to know how to help my daughter. And I just felt some peace that I would receive that help. But then I went back to bed. It was hard to go to sleep, but I finally did. When I woke up the the next morning, Susan, the first thing that I thought was, I don't know anything about this. I need to research this. That day, that morning, I went to church website, also BYU, and I started researching. And one of the first discoveries that I made was that perfectionism was one of the causes of this. I didn't know that. For me, it was a big discovery. Because I always thought that trying to be a good person and trying to do your best was a good trait, something that is desirable, and I think it is. But sometimes we take it to an extreme. 
And sometimes we think that we have to be perfect right now, uh, which means that we are not going to make mistakes and we just cannot have setbacks, even if we had, you know, made um, progress in our mental or emotional health or anything that we are doing in, in life. And so for me, discovering that was big. I didn't know that perfection can be can be so toxic and debilitating. And so that's why it is a problem, because we think that we have to be perfect now when it's not the truth. We are here, we are mortal beings, and we just need to keep trying. Doesn't mean that we are going to make mistakes on purpose and that we're going, just going to say, oh, okay, I will never be perfect, so who, who cares? Why does it matter? The thing is that we need to keep trying. We need to keep getting closer to Heavenly Father and to the Savior and to other people also, because I also think that that helps us a lot. Yeah, and I wanted to quickly add that the more we understand and are aware of things like that link between depression and perfectionism, then we can be more conscious and understand ourselves. And so just your little few minutes trying to learn probably changed your outlook on yourself, but also how to help others. Yes, but the thing is that we have to inform ourselves also, Susan. In order to receive revelation, in order to receive help, we need to know what we are dealing with. Yeah. And we have to pay the price for that. And that sometimes it, it means spending a few minutes every day trying to understand what we are going through, what the people around us are going through. And, and so we can feel be, be filled with that empathy. I love that. And for both of you, just a follow-up question to that. How can we move away from these expectations of perfectionism? And really accept we're good enough and in trying to be like the savior. Any any initial thoughts real quick, Elena, from you on that? Yeah. I mean, I still struggle with this like literally all the time. Like I guess, for example, like every time I get a new job, I'm always just like so worried about making a mistake. But I, I've told myself that I just need to be okay with making a mistake, especially if it's something that I'm new at, because that's part of the learning process. And nobody expects me to be perfect at it right away. And so I guess that's part of it, just like giving myself permission to make mistakes and to also just recognize that whenever I'm looking at other people and they make a mistake, like I don't think that like they're a terrible person or anything. And so like people feel the same way about me. Like, so I, I don't know, I guess I just need to like recognize that not everybody's judging me like so harshly. It's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And sometimes... I keep hopping. My schedule is so busy and doing certain things. And sometimes I'll do a radio show or something where maybe I could have done better. But, you know, I out loud, sometimes I say, good enough, good enough. <laughs> Raina, any other comments about that topic? Well, I think that, you know, sometimes we also have a, a long list for our day, like a checklist of the things that we need to do. And the reality is that many times we cannot finish all of it. Yes. So I think that at the end of the day, Something that is very healthy, at least it helps me, <laughs> is that when I offer my prayer at the end of the day, I just tell Heavenly Father, Father, I know I didn't do everything I wanted to do today, but I, I did what I could. Could you please take my offering and magnify it and allow me to start a new day tomorrow, knowing that I'm a, a human being, I want to do my best, but you know, we have limited resources and time and energy. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes you have a plan for your day and then something else comes. Maybe you need to go see a friend. 
and you couldn't do all the things that you wanted to do, but that was important at the moment. Yeah. So, so we need to be flexible with ourselves and not to be too rigid that we don't allow ourselves to also take a break or serve someone or offer love to someone and change our plans. And knowing that was the best we could. Yes. We did the best we could with our day and tomorrow will be a, a new day and then we can start again. I think that's part, it has helped me so much because no one can do everything that they want to do. I love that. And what we know from the research is that women are more perfectionistic than men. So some men struggle with this, but women tend to struggle more. And then there's some evidence that women in the church struggle with it even more than other people, just because of subtle messages or, you know, trying to do, often it comes from a great place. We try to do the best we can. So last question for both of you, I'd love to have a response from both of you. So how can being engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ and participating in the church ease the anguish of those suffering with emotional illness? For me, the church and the gospel gives my life purpose. Like if I didn't know that Heavenly Father and his son live, like I just, I really don't think I would still be here. And on top of that, like just being able to serve in the church and to meet people and to make friends. That has been huge for me. I literally, I don't think I would have any friends if it wasn't for the church because I met them in some capacity, whether we were in the same YSA ward or we served our missions together or we met at a devotional or something. Like it's, that's why I have friends. And, And I know that like, it's really hard when you're in the midst of these issues like depression and anxiety where you don't really feel like talking to people and you just kind of want to shut yourself in your room all the time. But because I have the church and because I've been able to serve in callings and stuff, I have to get out of my shell and I have to put it upon myself to minister everywhere I go because that's what Jesus would do. So even when I don't feel like I force myself to talk to other people and I make friends and to me, that's what living the gospel is, is to really just like always constantly be looking for somebody to talk to and to minister to, even if it's just something really ordinary, like just literally just texting them or something. So that's what's helped me the most. I love that. And I have one more question for you. So how have you felt the Savior's love while, and you've talked about this a little bit already, but how have you felt the Savior's love while working through your challenges? Well, yeah, I think just going along with what I was saying is like, it's through other people that I feel it. And so by making the effort to make friends and trying to minister to them, like without even wanting anything in return, they have been able to strengthen me mm-hmm. too. And so, yeah, again, like they've been the answer to my prayers without knowing it. And I don't know, that's just the most obvious way that I feel the Savior's love for me. But it is also just through doing simple things like reading the scriptures and being able to hear his voice and getting acquainted with his voice by doing so. So, um, and also just going to the temple because I'm able to just like sit there and ponder what my relationship is to him. And, and yeah, I've just been able to feel his embrace by, by keeping my covenants and through what other people have said. So oh, thank you so much for that. Raina, I'll go over to you. Let me repeat the question. How can being engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ and participating with the gospel, with the church, ease the anguish of those suffering with emotional illness? Yes, I think that one of the purposes of the church, or one of the things that the ways that it helps us is that it allows us to participate in ordinances 
and, and make covenants with God and, and the Savior. Even partaking of the sacrament every week can be that part of that help that we receive from heaven in the, being job with the Savior, you know, making promises and receiving promises back. And that is a constant source of strength for us. Our covenants give us power. Our baptismal covenant gives us the ability to be part of that covenant path and also to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which gives us power. And then we, if we are endowed in the temple, and I invite everyone who is listening, if they have not been endowed in the temple, please don't wait and go. Because we are endowed literally with power from God, which means that we were going to receive a strength in the, you know, facing life and enduring the struggles that we go through life. So that's one of the things. And, and then the other is, you know, that part of those covenants is that we covenant to, to follow God's commandments and to and to follow Jesus. And part of that is the connection with other people too. You know, it's the two greatest commandments, the love to love towards God and to love towards people. And like Elena said, we need that community of saints because it's very easy to relate to people because we are all trying to do the same things. We are all trying to, to be better as human beings. Yesterday morning, we went to a breakfast, a steak breakfast. We were sitting across a young couple and we connected so easily. We probably had a, a conversation for 20 minutes only. And I feel like they're my best friends now. Just because we, <laughs> Love it. we speak the same language. You know, we have the same goals, which yeah. are to be the best disciples of Christ that we can. And it's very easy to relate. And I know that sometimes people may say things that may be hurtful. But I will also invite people to be careful with words. Sometimes without knowing and without wanting, we may be hurting others. And, and like we were saying before, just to, to tell people, yeah, you need to have faith, just pray and you'll be better. You know, sometimes those things, instead of helping, they cause the person to feel like, yeah, but I have tried that and it doesn't work. Yeah. It means that I'm broken, you know, or sometimes even... If we are married and we have a, a family, sometimes we can't put that in a pedestal and, and make other people feel bad because they don't have it. What I'm trying to say is that let's be careful with our words. Yeah. Let's embrace everyone. Let's love everyone. So everyone feels like they belong, that there is a place for them here, that they are needed because every person has special gifts and talents and strengths, and we need all of them. We need them in our community of saints. I love that so much. And we need to be intentional about that. I think more because the world is getting meaner in so many ways. And what I also got from that is we need to do the and, not the or, either or. We can, as Elena mentioned, we can read the scriptures, we can go to the temple, we can do that. And we can also get professional help. It's not just one or the other. I think that's so important. But if we're getting professional help and not reading the scriptures and not, then that's an issue too. And I was just reviewing some research this week on the human touch. I mean, even that hug, that hand, you know, touching their hands, touching their shoulder, how that actually moves your hormones in different ways and, and brings you joy. Thank you so much to both of you for coming on the show today. The challenge, I give my listeners a challenge every week. And the challenge I want to give my listeners today is to go back and read your talk, Raina. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes, but I think that's good for all of us, whether we personally are struggling with uh, mental illness or emotional health in some ways, or 
there's not one of us these days that is not connected to someone that is struggling with that. So thanks again. We appreciate your openness and vulnerability in talking about emotional and mental health. So please, to you, the listeners, please follow Unleashing Sister Saints on Facebook and Instagram for more information and to stay up to date. If you like a particular episode or the show in general, please share it with others and leave us a review again on Apple Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Dr. Susan Madsen, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world. Mm-hmm.